0: time to glory to god hallelujah thank you lord return your bibles to isaiah chapter 50 verse 5 isaiah chapter 50 verse 5 thank you lord Now, we said we're going to be talking about the pattern in heaven. Amen. That's what we've been doing the last couple of weeks. And like Richard Roberts says, he said, there's a pattern in heaven. There's a pattern in space. And when the pattern is right, the glory will fall. And the glory will continue to fall like it did this morning. Come on. Why? Because we believe in God for fabulous outpourings from heaven. And what you experienced this morning was a fabulous outpouring from heaven That was prophesied for this year. And it's going to get greater and greater and going to be grander and grander. Come on, say amen, somebody. Anybody got faith for that right now? Amen. So in Isaiah 50, amen, and we also found out there's another word that came forth for 2017 that you need to grab a hold of, and that is this 2017 would be a year of extravagant favors. And that we will experience opportunities that we had no idea that we had a chance to see. And that doors will open up and we would have no idea why those doors opened up for us. And that he was sending forth harvesting angels to assist with whatever takes place in these last days. Somebody say, I'm ready. Let me read that again. 2017 this would be a year of extravagant favor somebody say I received that that. and that we will experience opportunities that we had no idea that we had a chance to see and that doors would open up and we would have no idea why those doors opened up for us and that he was even sending harvesting forth harvesting angels come on we're living in the days of angels the ministry of angels amen to assist with whatever would take place in these last days. Somebody say, I'm ready for it. Ready. Come on, say, I receive it. But well, Once again, if there's, there could be one thing that the enemy will go to his arsenal and try to put out to stop what God has said, it would be this weapon that the enemy has used all the way back in the Garden of Eden. And that is the weapon of shame. Somebody say shame. So we said the subtitle of today's message, amen, and setting up this pattern in heaven is dealing with shame. Dealing with what? Shame. We must understand what it is. We have to begin to understand how to identify it. And then we have to get to the place in our own personal life as men and women of God where we can recognize it in our own life. Because why? Because it will be the weapon that he'll try to use to stop you from receiving what Jesus already made available. Are you with me out here? Once again, I want you to pay very, very close attention. Tell your neighbor to pay attention today to what I'm going to talk about. Amen? And like we said last Sunday, sometimes we pay more attention to church growth instead of church health. But we have to understand whatever is healthy will grow by itself. So if we put more emphasis on church health... Then we won't have to spend all this time on church growth. Because why? When it's healthy, it will grow. And it cannot be healthy when it's infected with shame. And my job is to get you healthy. My job is to get you healthy. Spirit, soul, and body. Notice I mentioned all three. (laughs) All three. Spirit. So, and I'm not going to go there. (laughs) Today, anyway. (laughs) We'll work on the spiritual side right now. One day we're going to work on this healthy side for the body. Come on, say amen. All right. Okay, all right. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. (laughs) Isaiah 50, verse 5. I'm trying not to go there. Amen. Isaiah 50 verse 5. said, Now this is a prophetic word about Jesus. And he says in verse 5. And the Lord will open my ear. And I was not rebellious. Neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters. And my cheeks to them that what? Plucked off the hair. And then he says. I hid not my face. From what? Shame and spitting. One of the things we pointed out is we have an enormous advantage by being in Christ Jesus why because Jesus has already dealt with the shame issue and see because of shame we may try to hide ourselves or best at best we try to hide our shame but God wants to set us free from shame and embarrassment through Jesus because why because Jesus became our shame substitute So this is going to end up being a matter of whether you believe what Jesus has already done or will you believe the condemnation that continues to come your way? Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? Look at Isaiah chapter 61 verse 7. Go over a couple of things we went over last Sunday. Isaiah 61 verse 7. I'm not going to go over everything. You got to get the what? CD. We don't do tapes anymore. You're, date, you're dating yourself. <laughs> Amen. Isaiah 61, 7. See, there's a promise of great joy to come, but he says in verse 7, For your shame you shall have double, and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land they shall possess the what? Come on, say, it's time for me to possess the double. It says everlasting joy shall be unto them. See, Jesus wants you to start operating in everlasting joy. But it won't happen if you think the shame of your sin or shame of your past is open for everybody to see. Jesus came and he erased everything in your past. Oh, that should be good news for somebody in this room. Come on, he didn't come just to cover it. Come on, there's nothing in your life covered but the blood of Jesus not to clean away. But the issue is, you're going to have to believe that. Tell you, you got to believe that. You're going to have to believe that or you're going to have to believe the shame. It's your choice. Tell it's your choice. Well, the question is, what is shame? Shame is the sense of failure in the eyes of another person. Let me say it again. The sense of failure in the eyes of another person. And it carries with it the intense pain or feeling of being unworthy, disconnected, and unloved both by God and by people. So, when you allow that sense of failure to remain, when you allow that sense of failure before people to remain, it will bring that pain and feeling unworthy or feeling disconnected. Come on, are you with me out here? And the pain of feeling unloved, even where people are concerned and even where God is concerned. So, now what happens when you find yourself in shame? What happens when you find yourself in hiding? You're afraid of what other people may find out about you. Are you with me out here? What happens when that begins to take place in your life? But the bigger question is, what happens when you don't deal with the shame that's in your life? Once again, like I said last week, we have perfected phoniness and enough in the church and a lot of the phoniness that has already been perfected has been perfected because of the shame oh I'm still preaching again here come on it's because of I got to perfect holiness because why I got to, I got to have something to hide behind I'm afraid to be who I really am because I'm afraid I might be rejected or I might not be accepted or I might not be liked by other people. So I hide who I really am. Oh, I'm preaching good here. So there are consequences when you fail to deal with the shame. And we talked about all those consequences. Last week. So you got to get the CD. Glory <laughs> to God. Now we looked at Genesis chapter 3 verse 10. And we've seen the shame that Adam and Eve walked in when they sinned against God. And in verse 10 it says. And he said. I heard thy voice in the garden. And I was what? Amen. I was what? Amen. Afraid because I was what? Amen. Naked. And I did what? I hid myself. Why? Because he was in shame. Amen. What we see here, shame can also, amen, shame can only control and define us when we live in the fear of it. Let me say it again. Shame can only control and define us when we live in the what? Fear of it. It can only control and define us when we what? Live in the fear of what? Shame. But there's something else we found out about shame, especially in the beginnings. Look at Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2. It's something we should watch out for. Proverbs 11, verse 2. It says, When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But what the lowly is wisdom. When does shame come? When does shame come? When does shame come? When pride comes. Now pride, as we understand, it is a person who refuses to submit to God's word and God's way. And humility is when someone is willing to submit to God's word and God's way. So your relationship with submitting to God's word is going to let you know whether or not you're in pride Or whether or not you're in humility. But just to be very simply put. Pride is just someone who is just self-centered. Somebody say self-centered. That means some guy who wakes up in the morning. And he finds himself or herself in the center in the center and so you have to understand that this self-centeredness is something that you're going to, have to you're going to have to battle all the days of your life until jesus comes come on say amen somebody but you're going to have to recognize that enough to get up every morning to to locate yourself and to make sure that you're not in the center because why? Because when you are in the center, only there can you be offended. When you're in the center, only there can you experience bitterness. Only there can somebody make you mad, and you stay mad. Because look at it again. It's saying pride come up, then come up what? Then come up what? Shame. Listen, you can't have shame if you're not in the center but you're so self-centered what about me come on always thinking about what about me oh what are they saying about me oh what if they love me or not oh what if they care about me or not Oh, what do you think? They're thinking about me on this or not. (laughs) And you can't get nothing done because why? You're too occupied with yourself. (laughs) 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 Too afraid. Too afraid. So we see how they go together. Self-centeredness and then fear. Now, there are three instances of battling shame. Go to Luke chapter 7, verse 37. Three instances of battling shame. And let's see what Jesus has to say about those three instances. The first one is found in Luke chapter 7, verse 37. Glory to God. And it says, Behold, a woman in the city, which was a what? <laughs> which was a sinner. And when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, she brought a what? An alabaster box of ointment stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her hair and kissed his feet and anointed him with the ointment. Listen, because why this is the first instance of shame. See, shame remains because of unbelief in the promises of God and his finished work. They said say it again. Shame remains because of unbelief in the promises of God and his finished work. See, we're working so hard to live right when we need to be working as hard to believe right. Amen. Come on. We work real hard to live right, but not so hard to believe right. And see, when you believe wrong, wrong belief is what puts you in prison. Wrong belief is what puts you in bondage. Come on, say amen, somebody. And almost every crazy situation in your life occurs because of wrong belief. That's right. amen. And yet, right belief is going to allow the light of light to shine in your life. Come on, say amen, somebody, and get you out of bondage. Amen. So when shame remains, it is because of unbelief in God's promises and unbelief. And what Jesus has already done, his finished work. Amen. Come on, you're with me out here. Amen. So look at verse 39. Look at what Jesus says here in verse 39. And now, when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what man or woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. <laughs> Amen. Once again, this is an opportunity for what? Shame. She is a what? Sinner. See, an opportunity for shame is here, but that opportunity didn't last long. Because look at verse 47. It says, wherefore I say unto thee, her what? Her sins which are many are what? Are what? Are what? Forgiven for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. But then in verse 49, And they that sat at me with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? Why? Because they were having trouble and they were complaining about what he had just said. Then Jesus at this point begins to lift this woman's faith up. He says in verse 50, he said unto the woman, thy, thy what? Faith has what? Saved thee. Go in peace. How did Jesus help her battle this crippling effect of shame that they were trying to put on her? He gave this woman a promise. Somebody say a promise. The issue for her was an issue of belief. Because why? Every time after this, that there was, a, there was always a potential of shame, but he gave her a promise. And guess what? In our eyes, every time there's a potential for shame, God's always given us a promise. Somebody say a promise. So now we're talking about belief or unbelief. But watch this. She is now going to have to choose. She got to what? Choose. Choose what? She's going to have to choose to believe and accept the condemnation that's coming from them. Or she's going to have to choose and receive the assuring words that Jesus just spoke to her. Come on. Is she going to believe what Jesus said? Or is she going to believe the condemnation that's coming out these people's mouth? And the same thing is true of us today, folks. Are we going to believe the condemnation? And you know people will condemn you. Are we going to believe the condemnation that comes from people? Oh, I'm preaching good in here. Or are you going to believe the the assuring words that Jesus has spoke to you? You have to make a decision. Tell your neighbor, you have to make a decision. So it's an issue of belief or unbelief now when we started talking about shame amen we started off talking about shame but now we're talking about whether or not you're going to believe what we're talking about whether, you're not, whether or not you're going to believe the voice of shame or will you believe the voice of our savior when he's giving you a promise so we must battle shame the same way we must believe the promises. Say, neighbor, you must believe the promises. We must battle unbelief by taking hold of the promises of God. Well, the question was, what promise are we supposed to hold on to? Go to Romans chapter 10, verse 11. What promise are we supposed to hold on to? We see it here in Romans ten, eleven. Once again, when you read this, let it break that shame that's lurking around in the inside of you that you have not dealt with. Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, read it out loud with me again. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Come on, read it again. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Come on, you better say this. This is building faith on the inside of you. Say it one more time. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed a shame see you have to say I believe believe. see if if I say I believe then there's no shame there's no what shame how many people believe in this room how many people believe in this room come on say out loud no shame shame. come on say out loud no shame shame. come on say "I I believe no shame See, I'm talking about an awesome miracle happened the day you recognize what it says here. Whosoever believeth on him. And there's a lot of whosoever's in this room today. Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Somebody shout no shame again. Why? Because I believe on him. I believe I am who he says I am. I believe I'm in Christ. And in Christ I am righteous. And in Christ I am redeemed. And in Christ I have wisdom. And in Christ I am perfect. See so the, the only time I can say I am perfect is when I'm in Christ. Because why? Because my identity is no longer in me. My identity is in him. And the issue with that is we have to understand and accept our identity in Christ and realize that I'm in Christ and I am righteous right now. I'm what? Righteous right now. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.30. Once again, we have to understand and accept our what? Identity in Christ. And realize that in Christ, I am righteous when? Right now. When? Right now. now. Now, I'm going to say some things that might, change, that might shake your religion. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, But of him are you what? In Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us what? Wisdom and what? Righteousness and what? Sanctification and redemption. I've been made righteous. I've been made in right standing with God. Somebody say, I'm in right standing with God right now. Somebody say, I am righteous. Well, look at 1 Corinthians 15, 34. 1 Corinthians 15, 34 says, Awake to what? righteousness and sin not for some have not the knowledge of God I speak this to your shame and see that's why they're in shame because why they don't have the knowledge of God and they don't know who they are in Christ I am holy right now I am holy right now look at Ephesians 1 4 It says, according as he has chosen us. Somebody say, that's me. In him before the foundation of the world that we should be what? Holy. That we should be what? Holy. holy and without blame before him in love. Come on, say, I am holy right now. Amen. Look at Colossians 1.20. Just in case you don't believe it. Colossians one twenty says, "And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether there be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind—that's the problem right there in your mind—by wicked works. Yet now has he what? Yet now has he wrought, reconciled in the body of his flesh through death." To present you, to present you what? Holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Jesus died so that he could present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable. Come on, say thank you, Jesus. So I'm holy right now. First Peter 1, 16. He says 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 16 because it is written be you holy for I am be you holy for I am holy why cuz something happened when you got born again folks let me say it again something happened when you got born again an instant miracle took place are you with me out here The day I got born again, I became, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I became a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. The old man died, and a new man came alive. What happened? I got in him. Come on, say, I got in him. I'm not even living my life. He is now living his life through me. Oh, come on now. And instantly, he made me righteous. I am righteous right now. I am holy right now. Now. Listen, I'm not holy when you see. The fruits of holiness. Amen. Say it again. I'm not holy when you see the fruits of holiness. See, when you see the fruits of holiness, you're just seeing what I've always been. Amen. Amen. Tell me, stay with him, stay with him, stay with him. See, I was already holy, but the process is the fruit. But as far as the root is concerned, I'm holy right now. I am perfect right now. Why? Because the Bible says in Hebrews 1223. He says to the General Assembly, Hebrews 1223, and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God of, and to the God of all judges, and to the spirits of what? Just man, made what? Made what? Made what? See, just like you were made righteous, you were made perfect. Look at Hebrews 13:20. Not a God of peace, Hebrews 13:20. Not a God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant make you what perfect and every good work to do what to do his but make you what he make you what perfect in every good work to do his what will working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be what glory forever and ever amen you were made perfect not by something you done You were made perfect by the blood of Jesus. Did you get what I just said? You were made perfect not by something you have done or what you haven't done. You were made perfect by what? The blood of Jesus. Not only that, the Bible says in Ephesians 1.13... And whom you also trusted, after that you have heard the what? Word of truth, the gospel of your salvation... And whom also, after you believe, you are what? Sealed. You were what? Sealed. You were what? Sealed. Sealed with that Holy Spirit uh, promise. Listen to me closely. That means you are heaven ready right now. Hear what I said. You are heaven ready right now. Yeah, Pastor Walker, but you don't understand. I understand because why my identity is in Christ even though the fruit of my identity is not in my behavior yet let me say that let me say it down let me slow it down make sure you get it now listen closely now I said pay attention right my identity is in Christ, even though the fruit of my identity is not in my behavior yet. Amen. Amen. But if you keep letting your bad behavior try to determine your identity, you'll never go forward. Let me say it again. If you keep letting your bad behavior try to determine your identity, you'll never go forward. Listen, your behavior can't determine who you are. Even though people will. Let me say it again. Your behavior can't determine who you are. How many men we have in this room? Are we only got two men? And all the men say? Amen. And all the men say? Amen. Thank you. My goodness gracious. <laughs> men, listen. Because all of your life, you have allowed your, beha- your misbehavior tell you you are that. Let me say it again. You have allowed your misbehavior, women you listen to, this ain't just for men. So don't be turning your, your ear off. Oh, he's talking to them now. <laughs> but I'm especially talking to men. Amen. You have allowed your misbehavior to tell you you are that. Instead of allowing your identity in Christ to determine your behavior. Let you think about that for a second. Let me say it again. All your life you've allowed your misbehavior to tell you you are that instead of allowing your identity in Christ to determine your behavior. So you'll turn on TV and the media will show black kids doing cocaine or they'll have a documentary on how the problem that exists in our community is because black men are not handling their responsibility as being fathers and husbands. Come on, say amen, somebody. So they think you're bad and you're a thug and <laughs> all these other things because why? That's the that's the behavior. That's what everybody associates you with. And you're allowing your misbehavior to define your identity. See, the day you got born again, the day you got in Christ, see, the only reason you're righteous right now is not because you behaved righteous. God, no, that ain't the reason. (laughs) Hallelujah. See, You didn't behave righteous first, and then you were made righteous. No, you were made righteous first, and then out of that, you will behave righteous. The day I believe who I've been made. The day I believe who I've been what? Made. But if you keep struggling with you're not this and you're not that and I don't have the fruit yet, come on, hallelujah. So I wouldn't dare associate myself with the root that I'm I'm perfect and I'm holy and I'm righteous. You'll never change your behavior. Say it again, you'll never change Your behavior and you're going to keep misbehaving because you keep missing your real identity. And you keep allowing your behavior to determine who you are. Come on are you listening to me out there? Listen I am right I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God even when I don't do right. Amen. Let me say it again. I am the righteousness of God. Even. Even when I what? Don't do right. And we're not giving you a license to sin. You've been doing a good job without that already. <laughs> Come on. Say amen somebody. Because you've been sinning without a license. But I am righteous right now. I'm righteous right now. As righteous as I'm ever going to be. And me doing something unrighteous does not undo the righteousness that I have by faith in Jesus. Are you following me right now? And if I, listen, if I remember that in my times of misbehaving, I will change my behavior. Anybody listen to me out here. But if you keep struggling with how you behave before you can accept who you've been made, then you won't change your behavior. Let me say it again. If you keep struggling with how you behave before you can accept who you've been made, then you won't change your behavior. And that's the problem with the church right now. We keep trying to clean the fish before we catch it. Come on, I'm the righteousness of God right now. Say it again. I'm the righteousness of a God right now. Yeah, but you did this and you did that. That's all right. I'm the righteousness of God because why? Because the process is that which is already in me is now going to be revealed that I know now that I know who I am. And one day, You're going to see what I've been telling you. I'm righteous today. I'm righteous today. I'm righteous right now. I'm righteous when I'm even in shame. Come on, say I'm righteous. But if I identify with the fact that I'm in Christ, I believe in Christ, guess what? Shame can't stay there. Sin can't stay there. Bad character can't stay there. None of that misbehaving can stay there. Because why? I finally know who I am. I'm holy right now. I'm holy right now. Now I'm not floating around with a white gown. <laughs> but I'm holy right but I'm holy, right so when you see it it's not when it happened it happened when I got saved oh come on y'all with me out here it happened when when I got saved see it's the listen it's the misbehaving that has produced the shame let me say that again. It's your misbehaving that has produced the shame that has wanted to stop me from receiving who I am in Him. Come on, are you with me out here? Why? Because every time you do something not righteous, every time you do something not righteous, what happens? Shame comes in and tries to stop you from accepting the work. That has already been done in you. Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? You are righteous now. You're righteous when? You're righteous when? Now. Accept that. Listen. Accept that righteousness. And watch things begin to change in your life. He told us to awake to righteousness. Come on. Every time I get up in the morning. I am right standing of God regardless of what I do today. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I got to wake up this way. Knowing who I am in Christ. And I believe in Jesus. And since I believe in Jesus. He said I will not be ashamed. I will not be what? Ashamed. Somebody say I will not be ashamed. So I got to know who I am. I got to know what? Who I am. Now the second is feeling shame for something that glorifies God. Remember, we said we said three instances. The second is feeling shame about something that glorifies God. And you know what I'm talking about. When you were growing up or when you first got saved, it took a while for you to say thank you, Jesus, in public. <laughs> and around your friends. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. It took a while for you to say glory to God in public. Come on, say amen, somebody. Or even pray over your food in public. And God forbid lift your hands up in public. Sometimes even in the church. (laughs) Even pray in public. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, a lot of times, God will bless you with something, and he'll bless you with something elaborate. Like some brand-new designer clothes or some expensive jewelry that you would never buy for yourself, but somebody just blesses you with it. Or even they'll bless you with a brand-new car or a brand-new house. Come on, say amen, somebody. But what happens a lot of times, you will be ashamed to wear it. Or drive it or live it because why? People are talking about you. talking about, look at them. I wonder where they got. I wonder what they did to get that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Come on, you know what I'm talking about here. Come on. Not realizing. What you have what was given to you was God's expression of his love towards you. Oh, come on. I'm preaching to somebody in this room. And a lot of times, you, you let them shame you out of what God has blessed you with. And that's what people will do. Even the media will do. And the number one thing that the enemy will do is that is to shame you out of what Jesus has already done for you. You have to make up your mind that you'll never let the devil or people shame you out of what God has given you. Say amen, somebody. Don't you let them shame you out of your blessing. Come on. The blessing that God put in your life. Don't care what the neighbors say. Don't care what your coworkers say. Don't care what your friend. Don't even care what your family says. Why? Because that's the blessing of the Lord. Say that's the blessing of the Lord. And I will not be ashamed. Listen, you're not to be ashamed of the blessings of God, folks. Don't be ashamed of the blessing because <laughs> some blessing's about to come your way. I'm telling you right now, you better get the shame out the way right now because when God starts pouring out His blessings upon your life, the last thing you want to be dealing with is allowing people to stop the blessing that's pouring in your life. Same as somebody. And shame will cause you to give back or give up. But God has blessed you with. Are you with me in here? Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Hope you're getting something out of this today. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Notice it says here. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not what? I am not what? Ashamed. For I know. For I know. For I know. Whom I have believed. And am persuaded. Come on now. And I am persuaded that he is able. To keep that which I want. I have committed unto him against that say. So the battle against shame is a battle against unbelief. All right, listen to me out here. It's a battle to make sure you stay with the promises of God. Now the third area is feeling shame for something you didn't do. And this is when people try to load up, load you up with evil circumstances. When in fact, you had nothing to do with it at all. You had no part of dishonoring God in that. Come on, say amen, somebody. Yet, yeah, understand, they did it to Jesus. Look at what they called him in Matthew eleven eighteen. 18. It says, but John came now, they eating or drinking, and they say he is he has a devil. The son of man came, eating and drinking. and they said, behold, he's a gluttonous. He's a wine-bibber. Friend of public is the sinner's. But he said, wisdom is just, justified of our children. They even accused him of being a hypocrite. Matthew 27, 40. And it says, thou that destroyed the temple, bit of it three days, save yourself. If thou be the son of God, come down from the cross. Hypocrite. It says, likewise, also the chief priests, mocking him and the scribes and the elders said, he saved himself. Himself, he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross. And we will believe him. See, the goal was to load Jesus with shame that wasn't his to bear in the first place. Come on. They tried the same thing with Paul and said he was an enemy of the Mosaic law. Said he's going around telling people you need to go ahead and sin in order the grace to abound. What do they do? They tried to load Paul with shame that wasn't his to bear in the first place. But once again, how do you fight that type of shame? The same way. By believing God and by believing his promises. By what? By believing God and what? Believing his promises. Look at Isaiah 45, 17. By believing what? God and by believing his what? Promises. It says, but Israel shall be what? Saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation, you shall not be what? You shall not be what? Shame, nor confound the world without end. Say, I shall not be ashamed. Look at Isaiah 49 23. Look at all these scriptures. And the king shall be thy nursing fathers and their queens, thy nursing mothers, and they shall bow down to thee with their face towards the earth and lick up the dust of thy feet, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord thy God, for they shall, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. And once again, Romans 10:11, once again, we read it before, it said the scripture saith, "Whosoever what? Believe on me shall not be what? Are you getting the message here? Romans 9:33 says, as it is written, Behold, I lay as I a stumbling stone, a rockable fence, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. your neighbor, I don't have to be ashamed of anything. Why? It cannot happen to those that believe on him. The question is: do you believe or not? Come on, let them come at you. Let them bring on the criticism. Come on, bring on the fake news. Because at the end of the day, you will not be defeated. Oh, come on, say it again. I will not be defeated. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, no more shame. Turn to somebody else and say, neighbor, no more shame. no more shame folks now shame listen to me now shame is the failure to meet expectations it's like you can't live up to the ideal you're not who you're supposed to be or who you think you're supposed to be so you get around people and this competitive jealousy rises up on the inside of you Oh, I'm preaching good. And now you're ashamed because you don't feel that you're the ideal. Because why? You begin to measure what someone else is doing with what you are doing, and it seems like you don't seem to be measuring up. Oh, come on. Tell your neighbor, don't allow this to happen. Tell somebody else, don't allow this to happen. Why? Because shame is like a sticker. It's easy to apply, but it's very difficult to peel off. Come on, are you with me out here? But Jesus has already done the work. So all you got to do is believe in Jesus. And see, shame is like an inescapable pit. But God, by his grace and his salvation, has already healed that shame. He has, he has already pulled you out of the pit, folks. He's already taken care of the shame. What the question is, how do I overcome it? Turn to Hebrews 12.2. Come on, are you getting anything out of this? We're almost done. Hebrews 12.2. It says, looking unto, looking unto Jesus The author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him did what? Endured the cross. Doing what? Despising the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. What does that mean? It means calling shame a despicable fool, unworthy of my attention. Let me say it again. It means calling shame a despicable fool, unworthy of my attention. So don't let shame influence your self-identity. Don't allow it to influence your self-identity. Are you with me out here? Now secondly, don't let shame influence your action towards others. Because shame works like hurt. No, hurt works. Hurt people, hurt people. But people who are full of shame will do their best to shame people. What happens is, when you have shame, you want to release shame on somebody else. <laughs> oh, come ba 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 ha. And listen to me now. If you're experiencing some crazy kind of attack from somebody. Maybe that person is just full of shame themselves. And they want to put that shame on you. Don't let that happen. Tell your neighbor, don't let it happen. And finally. We can't let. Stigmata to influence your perception of other people. Amen. Amen. Basically, what's that about is the fact that when Paul says in Romans 1 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is what? The power of God unto salvation to everyone that what Believe it to the Jew, first and also what? To the Greek. See, the gospel is what gave Paul the permission to have fellowship with the Gentiles. People who had a stigma on them. Are you with me out here? We should not allow shame to cause us to be ashamed to minister and deal with people who have a stigma on them. Why? Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel has given me the freedom to be able to minister to people with stigmas. For example, a man in church can be seated right next to an adulterer. A man who sleeps with many women. But there's no stigma there. But if you take a man who is infinite or infeminate. And he's struggling with homosexuality. Then all of a sudden that stigma says. I'm embarrassed and shameful to be seen ministering to this person. Because of the stigma that's attached to his life. Oh. Well, church, if not us, then who? How do you expect for anything to change if you're not going to be, if if you're going to be full of shame of dealing with people who traditionally have a stigma upon their life? We're supposed to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you can't sit down and minister to a man or a woman who's struggling with homosexuality or lesbianism, you need to go back and look at the cross again. See, it's shame that causes us to be ashamed of them that have stigmas on their life, folks. And we're here to minister to others. How is it that we find shame in ministering to people who have those issues that are not that are going that are not that are going on in their life how is it we're supposed to be world changers we're supposed to make an impact in the lives of people that can, that, that can never be erased but you have to make up your mind that I'm not going to give way to shame i'm not going to give it a place in my life why because jesus is already taking care of it and if jesus is already taking care of it I'm not going to walk in pride. Why? If you try to deal with shame in your own ability, and your own willpower, and performance, it will make you a prideful person. If God tells you to cast all your care upon him, and you don't cast your care upon him, you are prideful. Oh, come on now. And see, you have to be what? Grateful. For Jesus who has made a way for us, folks. And if you're grateful for Jesus who made a way for us, guess what? Those extravagant those extravagant those extravagant favors we're talking about, it's gonna come on the church. It will invade your house. Why? No more shame. No more what? Shame. So lift your hands to the Lord. Lift your hands to the Lord. Come on, I I threw a lot at you today. (laughs) Some of your head's still spinning. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. I encourage you to get the CD, because I'm not repeating all that again. (laughs) Father, we thank and we praise and we glorify you, but I hope you were listening. Come on, I hope you were listening. Why? Why? We got to get shame out the church. We got to get the church healthy so we can help somebody else get healthy the way we got healthy. Well, we can't allow shame to remain. We got to get rid of phoniness in the church. Hallelujah. How do we do that? By knowing who we are in Christ. And by knowing who we are, we will change our behavior. You don't have to do what you're doing if you know who you are. You'll stop when they say, why am I doing this? I'm better than this. God made me better than this. Come on, I'm the righteous. Why am I doing something unrighteous when I'm the righteous of God? Why would they even allow this knucklehead? To stop the blessings in my life. Because he want to get his flesh on. Try side over here. I'm trying to be nice. (laughs) See if I know who I am. Come on. I'm not going to allow you to destroy who I am. Because why? You're not worth it. Okay. Try to slide over here. You're not going to destroy my identity with Christ. Because I know who I am. If I know who I am, why should I allow you to stain who I am and ruin what God has for me. It ain't worth it. Lift your hands to the Lord. We thank you, Lord. We give you glory, Lord. We give you honor, Lord. Hallelujah.